real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an agency owner, content strategist, performance coach, and digital nomad. He is the host of Nomadic Executive Podcast, where he focuses on online entrepreneurship, travel, lifestyle, and personal development. Please welcome Omar Mo. Hey, thanks for having me, sir. I'm happy to be here. Can you give us a little bit of your background and how you got into entrepreneurship and being a digital nomad? Sure. It's always that case of the chicken or the egg first, right? So for me, it was travel first instead of online entrepreneurship. I left on an extended travel trip back in 2016, where I went to Australia for a year. I went to New Zealand for a year. I went to Indonesia, Southeast Asia for about six months. I went to Nicaragua for about four months. So all in all, gone about three years. And in the first year when I started traveling after Nicaragua, I went to Australia. And during that time, I met some people that were freelancing off their computer. Most of us at the hostels and things that I was staying at were all just working jobs in place at the location. And in Australia, they pay well, at least in American standards. And the scheme of things, they don't pay well at all. But comparatively, like coming from America, where the minimum wage is like $7.25, they pay incredibly well. So in-person jobs were running for like $25 an hour, but you'd have to do rigorous things like manual labor. You'd have to do all sorts of like different stuff like that, right? Just the restaurant jobs, bar jobs. And I had just gotten a degree in geology right before I left. So I was lucky that I was able to leverage my degree to get some decent jobs. Like I remember working as a road engineer for a little bit of time where they had me traveling all over Australia, just in a vehicle with a friend and we just take road surveys and things like that. So that was an interesting job. So random jobs like that. But I realized those jobs were just incredibly annoying. I had to be somewhere at a certain time. I was exhausted by the end of the day. I was getting less of the travel that I wanted to do. So I met some people that were freelancing and I was like, oh, you know what? This looks really cool. I have a laptop. I can just work off my laptop wherever I go. I started learning more about that world and I took a few jobs, opened up a Fiverr gig, took a few jobs on copywriting, took a few jobs on some graphic design, some logo, and used that as a little bit of a side income, some pocket cash while I still worked main jobs. Throughout that entire year in Australia, that's really what I ended up doing for the most part when it came to freelancing. That was back in 2016 to 2017. Then after that, I went to New Zealand and I had met my ex-partner at that time at the end of Australia and went to New Zealand together. And I spent the year there and I, I looked more into video editing. So I took up video editing gigs and I kind of expanded my skill set. And honestly, before I left to go travel, I even wanted to be some sort of travel videographer, even though that didn't work out for me. But I enjoyed the whole video editing process and I enjoyed all that, you know. So I, I knew, so I used that and I leveraged that in New Zealand and it was fun. I had a good time, but I didn't make any serious money. I came back end of 2019 
And right around then, I decided to take the whole online space seriously because I realized how much money people were making. So it just started off with people, peripherals, YouTubers making like some serious cash, kids in their 20s, 21, 22, making 20K a month, 30K a month, et cetera. So I was like, okay, this is possible. So how do I make this happen? I went down a couple of different business models like drop shipping and things like that, all standard stuff that I think everyone starts off at, whatever they search how to make money online on Google, like everyone does when they want to first learn how to make money. And none of that stuff really resonated with me. It all seemed too cheap. It all seemed like I was trying to make quick cash. It all seemed like it wasn't legit. It can work for sure. And I've seen it work in spades. I remember the first product that I sold because I was doing product research. I wanted to sell women's lingerie. And I'm like, am I really passionate about selling women's lingerie? Probably not. Maybe I could make some money if I got this going, but it's not going to be fun. So got off dropshipping really quick. And then just so I started my podcast naturally. So I kept hearing Gary Vee say, start a podcast, make content, make content, make content. And I'm sure like most podcasters are can relate to this story. End of 2019, I started my podcast and took off. I enjoyed it. That was the first and foremost thing. I never felt like creating content. I was always talking to incredibly interesting people. And now I've had people like Pat Flynn and Dan Locke and John Lee Dumas and all these people on my podcast. And it's been incredibly fun. Yeah. So I started creating content and somewhere around that space, I was like, you know what? I'm learning a lot about this voice space and I can do this incredibly well. And and this has been good. I, I know a lot more about this than a lot of people do. So somewhere around episode 40, I met a guy who's now my mentor. His name is Michael. And Michael, unbeknownst to me at that time, was one of those kids that was making 30K a month to 40K a month at 21 years old with his agency. That was a Facebook marketing agency. And I was like, how are you doing it, man? And I want to learn more. And he gave me some ideas. And he had an in in that space. All those YouTubers that I knew of back in 2017, he knew them all in person. So I got an in in that space through him, started networking, started my agency back in December or November, actually. And now I've scaled to well over six figures in five months. Oh, wow. Just yeah. in five months. Just in five months. In wow. fact, I would say a majority of it was done in three months. The oh, first wow. few months were probably set up. And, and this month, actually, I've scaled so fast that I'm taking April to set systems and structures in place and bring on more hires and, and really make it more turnkey to kind of remove myself from the business because scaling this fast also makes it very, very time consuming. Hence why I'm stuck in meetings all day today. So that's what it is. But well over six figures now, I think I just had a 12K month this month and next month will be probably, or next month will be about the same, May I'm aiming 15, 16, let's see. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So is it just you or do you have a team? I have a team. Okay. It's me and I have seven hires. Okay. Wow. And then how many clients do you have right now? Currently, I have nine clients. One is about to fall off and they're paying me anywhere from 15 to 2,500 a month. Okay. Awesome. So as an agency owner, how do you go about finding your clients? Because I think that's, that's one the of the easy big... part. Okay. Well, what is... not, that's the easy part. That's not the hard part. The hard part is the service delivery in a creative agency, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's making it all turnkey and setting systems in place to remove yourself from the business. The clients is the easy part. And with a creative agency, we're so in demand already, like it's a joke. I'll give you some places where you can find clients. Instagram, DMs. So it's all an engagement game, right? It's all a cold outreach game. At least in the beginning when you're first starting out, before you have the money to not run Facebook ads for yourself, it's all a cold outreach game. More outreach, more more clients, more clients, more sales. Cold email, LinkedIn automation, use LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn is a massive, great source. Instagram, going on blogs where it's like top 10 this or top 10 that and search and grabbing those names, getting those emails and emailing them. Different lead sources work for different people, right? So uh, a lead source that worked out for me pretty well was YouTubers. So I'd reach out to YouTubers and I, gra- I grabbed the email, I cold emailed them and I, I'd end up getting, so I always thought of it as a numbers game, right? So if I end up setting, and I automate all this, this isn't time intensive for me and I have somebody on hire that automates all this for me. But if I, I know from it's a numbers game, if I send out a thousand emails, I'll probably get a hundred to 200 me- or 150 meetings. And from that, I'll probably convert at a rate of, so let me do the math here really quick on my phone. <laughs> I know with 50, I'll convert to, so at a rate of 2%, if I send a thousand emails, I'll get on average 20 clients. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I found that LinkedIn definitely, and, and we had talked before we started recording about Clubhouse. I find that that is- Clubhouse sad. is fantastic, especially mm-hmm. when I was first starting out my business in December or November. In December, I got about 10K worth of retainers right from there. Oh, wow. Within the month, actually. So it's a fantastic place for business. And it's not only that, it's also a great place for referrals. Friends that I've made there have told other people, hey, my friend does this. And he was just happened to be in a room where someone mentioned something. He's like, I think you should check him out. I should get you two in touch. Mm -hmm. So that just happened like three weeks ago. And I just signed that client yesterday. So things like that happen all the time. I think Clubhouse is, if you're a new entrepreneur or you're just starting out and you want to to find something to really grind your time on in terms of social media for the highest ROI, Clubhouse is it. So what prompted you to just pick up and go and travel all over the place? So when I was younger, I, I used to never feel that place anywhere. I just had this thing where, like, if you look at my, I'm in my room right now, it's not decorated. I don't decorate my room. In fact, this white thing behind me was a pain. So I never decorate anywhere I go. I just never felt at home anywhere. And I knew I wanted some adventure because that was such a massive value for me. It was really high on my values that I have right now. It always has been spontaneity and adventure. I care about that more than anything else. And it's really the whole driving factor behind my business, to be honest. But 2016, I knew I had a chance, right? So I had a friend named Larry. He's a friend that I've had since I was like 18 that I met in college. And sometime around, I think he was like 22, 23, he had just gotten out of a relationship and decided to go to Australia for six months. And I had no idea this was a thing at the time. I didn't know Americans could just leave and dip out to a country like that and travel long-term. Like I always thought I was doomed for many vacations for the rest of my life. And seeing him do that, something called a working holiday visa, which any American can get, and going out to a country like that was just incredible to see. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do in my life. I just got this degree that, and I hate geology. I don't know why I finished it. I guess I was trying to prove something to myself. And I was like, I want to do this. I think this sounds sick. And I I really don't know what I want to do. So I think this is the best way to kind of find myself. And I had this cliche thing of like, I'm going to find myself by the end of this trip, you know? And I think that's the biggest bull because everyone thinks, I would say at least 50 to 70% of travelers think they're going to find themselves when they go go on this trip. And the way that they end up finding themselves is 100% different than what they thought before they left. There was some massive growth in those three years, either way, massive growth. And by the time I came back, I knew what I wanted to do. And ironically enough, it was exactly what I set out to do in the first place. It was to travel the world for a long, long time. Found out about the word digital nomad when I came back and that was that. So basically you went there with no job. You just freelanced to pay your bills and and travel doing a variety of things. So then when you came back to the United States, that's when you decided to start a podcast about being a digital nomad? Exactly. Okay. But I had never 
I wouldn't consider myself a true digital nomad till then. And this is up to debate. Their community is so sticky. And I've never been a community kind of guy. But a digital nomad, hypothetically speaking, is someone that works completely off their laptop and always travels around. And at that, those three years, I never fully made income from my laptop. It was a mixture of working from my laptop and taking in-person jobs. To people, I guess in general, I guess the correct label for it would be backpacker or just tra- or nomad, I guess. And what is the difference then between a digital nomad, an online entrepreneur, and a remote worker? Sure. An online entrepreneur is someone that's just trying to make money online in any way possible. Uh, whether that's an online business, it could be an agency. Online entrepreneur is kind of an umbrella term for anyone that is in business on digital. So you can be a digital nomad and be an online entrepreneur. You can be a digital nomad and be a freelancer. You can be a digital nomad and be someone that has a job that's a remote worker. So digital nomad is the umbrella term. Online entrepreneur is a specific subsect of digital nomads, but also doesn't have to be a digital nomad. It's anyone that does any sort of online business specifically. And a remote worker is someone that just works remotely. So a remote worker, it's it's all like a mix and match terms, but a remote worker can also be an online entrepreneur. But generally the people that you call remote workers are people that you ha- that have jobs already that uh, have let them work remotely from home. After COVID and everything with people working from home now more than ever before, probably, and, and now new jobs even popping up where you can work from home. But, you know, but some people probably lost their job during COVID and are looking for a way to work from home. So where is the best place to find remote or freelance work? As in an actual job? Well, it wouldn't have to be full time, but just freelance. I, I know there's Fiverr. Something that I would suggest over everything else personally. I have a friend that has made over a million dollars off of Fiverr. Oh, wow. So everyone thinks Fiverr is like these small gigs that you get here and there. Nah, like if you work your way and you hustle on it for the next six months, it's the income potential is massive. What were you doing on Fiverr? I was just doing small things and I never took it seriously. It was video editing. I did graphic logo design. I did audio editing. I did copywriting. I'm really good at copywriting. So that's one of my bigger skills. So I did a lot of copywriting stuff, but I took small gigs here and there, random things, but I never took it seriously. So I never went all in on it. Like if you want to make a million dollars, you should. And I did Upwork as well. So that's another website that I think is great for freelancers. You just put up or people put up gigs and you can apply to them or people reach out to you to apply to their gigs. And basically you just set up an hourly rate or you set up a one-time payment and you're good to go from there. So with someone making a million on Fiverr, I'm assuming they aren't charging $5? The people that are charging $5 to $10 are number one newbies that are just joined the platform and are trying to level themselves up on that platform. Or number two, people that are foreign and may not provide the best service for certain things like copywriting, for example. So those are people that charging low prices. Americans like you and I can easily, when you're first starting out, price yourself lower so you can get a few gigs coming in. As that goes in, Fiverr has this, and I'm not the best person to talk to about this, by the way. Like I said, I didn't go all in, but from my understanding of from my friend Alex has told me, she said, basically there's different levels of sellers, right? So when you first start off, you're a new seller. And then from there, there's a level one seller, a level two seller. And then from there you have pro status. And when you have pro status, and I think that comes in within six to 12 months of really hustling, then that's where you can start raking up some serious cash. That's where people go out of their way to book your gigs and you're charging like anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks per gig. 
Ah, okay. Yeah, I've seen quite the variety of pricing on there. People, I think, just assume everything's five bucks, but it's not. A question that I'm just kind of curious about is you had mentioned, you know, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Dan Locke. For someone who has a podcast who would like to get bigger name people like that, what are your suggestions or recommendations or what is that process like? Elbow grease, creativity. That's what Mm -hmm. it takes. So I'll run you down how I got each of them. Pat Flynn, I showed up to his YouTube live streams for a solid month. And after he'd kind of gotten my name and read my name off the screen a couple of times, I went in for the ask and I got it. Dan Locke, Clubhouse. Mm. Went up on stage, made him laugh. And then I said, hey man, would you be a guest in my podcast? Boom. John Lee Dumas, same thing. Actually, no, John Lee Dumas was a cold email. So I heard him say his email to somebody else. And then I reached out to him saying, hey, I know you have a book coming out and I know you're on the podcasting circuit come on my podcast. I have so and so many episodes and I've interviewed Pat Flynn, who was the first person he ever interviewed. So that worked. Iman Godsey, that's another really big name in the agency space. Got him as a connection from my mentor. Gary Arndt reached out to me actually. He's I think Time Magazine's biggest blogger in 2005. And he's really, really massive in the travel space. I guess that's in terms of big names. I think that's who I've had. It's funny you mentioned John Lee Dumas's book. I was actually reading his book before we got on this call. So <laughs> I love it. Have you been reading his book? I got the audio book. Yeah, I listened to the first chapter the other day. Well, I appreciate your time today. Where can people reach you? You probably reach me on Instagram at nomadables, N-O-M-A-D-A-B-L-E-S. So Nomad Ables. I have my own podcast, The Nomadic Executive. So feel free to check that out. And yeah, those are probably the two main places that you can reach me right now. And I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Omar. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.